0: fans, what are the odds? Round 19 edition is brought to you by the Yorkshire Hotel. And with many shock results and nail bodies in the last week, we'll discuss whether your club suffered a bad beat or had a massive collect. We'll preview an intriguing round 19 ahead of us. And of course, we'll offer up some ill-advised and unwarranted feature bets, which are due to bounce back soon. And fingers crossed, they do so this weekend. But first, after a very tumultuous week in the AFL, let's talk about the state of the game. This season we've seen epic comebacks, there have been neck and neck shootouts, low scoring dogfights in the trenches. There are some really good teams, there are some really bad teams, but overall the competition is close. This season there have been more compelling narratives than most of the made to binge series on Netflix. Only two wins separate 1st and 5th, and only two wins separate 4th and 12th. On a weekly basis hero and villain scripts are being written, midfielders are racking up bags of touches at record rates, and defying physics in and around these so-called unacceptable swamps of congestion. Forwards are also kicking bags, and defenders are keeping others quiet because at both ends of the ground, we seem to have superstar $1 million players. Yes, there are some poor games each week. Yes, the sphere is full of hate 1st trolls, and talk that is clogged with negative naysayers. But for every iron from Ivanhoe, there is a happy Harry from Heathmont, a glad Gary from Greensboro, and a jolly Jack from Janjuk. Pundits, experts and talking heads drunk on nostalgia say that our game is broken. They point to TV viewerships and shortening attention spans, but ignore the burgeoning memberships and record attendance figures at the actual ground. More people are going to, participating and consuming footy than ever before. But Gil and Steve want to make sure that the key stakeholders are happy, but they ignore the majority of recommendations from the only two stakeholders that matter, the participants and the purveyors. The players, the coaches and staff of clubs love their jobs. And the punters love the game, but no one asked us if there's actually anything wrong with footy, or how we would fix it if given the chance. So we're doing that. This Sunday, come to the Yorkshire Hotel, jump on the mic with me, and have your voice be heard. And not in a clickbait, soundbite, social media, fire stoking fashion, but over a genuine conversation with open minds and no time limits. Let us know the things that you love about footy and the things you would fix. No idea is too complex, no detail too small. It's about time footy respected its number one stakeholder, the fans. And if the AFL won't ask you what you think or listen to what you have to say, we will. On Sunday, over a beverage, in front of the footy, at the Yorkshire Hotel, brought together by the thing that we all love, footy. All right Baz, on with the actual show. How are we feeling this weekend mate? Good man, I'm pumped up after hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Look out, fans. Baz is pumps. He's up. He's up and about. I wanted to sledge you once or twice during that, but uh anyway. Yep, yeah, good. Play okay. on. So our first segment this week is bad beats or massive collects. It was it was an eight shaping week last week and it's put some put some teams in a bit of a skew if in the run to funnels. So I uh, we'll ask the questions about some of the more important results on the weekend. We'll start off with your boys. Massive, massive win over North. Is that a is that a bad beat for North or a massive collect for the Pies? Definitely a bad beat from North. They probably almost struggle to make
1: the eight now. We've been calling it for a few weeks here, saying they'll drop off, and I think the drop off started. So I think they've only won two of the last five or two of the last six or something like that. So and as for us, I think we played some pretty good footy. Looking at the stats and how we played, and you know everyone talked about it afterwards, and you know, watched all the TV footy shows as usual, and how they went about, how they spoke about us, and, in, in you know, premiership contending terms. But I still would not get too carried away. I think you know we've had a few injuries, and that might cost us in the end. But I'm still happy we're going to play finals because I think you need 13 wins, 12, 13 wins this year to play finals. And I think we've got 12 now, so and we've got one or two games still to come up that I think we should win, which will hopefully have us you know in the eight and hopefully the top half of the eight. But yeah, I'm just happy we're winning and, you know, I've been saying all year I'm just happy we're playing final office footy and it looks like we're trending on an upward scale north. I still think they got a. their older players are playing well, the younger players still got a bit to do and uh, I think they're still lacking that class and talent they need. But they'll obviously get that this year in the, in the draft and
0: they'll keep building and coming forward. No crisis things there for north, I think. It's where they are and as you predicted, they're on that fade, they're on that slow fade at the tail end which people are stealing all over the shop. Talkback callers now come in being like, everybody knows that North fades in the back half of seasons. Well,
1: they do back... They have, they've had a history of it, and mm. they've got. I've been saying all year, that they're better players than the older players, mm. not the younger ones. And, you know, when you're 30, 31, you, as the year gets on, you, it's harder to keep... Especially the if you're
0: carrying as well. If you're yeah. if you're either carrying an injury or, in this case, carrying the team, yeah. it does make for a very and tough also, back end of the season. The teams
1: are really closing down on Brownie now, which makes it harder for them to score. So, yeah. Magic Doors has been pretty good, though. Very mm. good. So, yeah, look, they've got, they're got they above where we thought they were going to be. No oh, way a- above. A- Everyone in Australia thought they were going to be very ordinary and they're doing better than that. So I wouldn't be worried, too worried if I was a North Melbourne fan, but, yeah, I just don't think they'll be playing finals this year.
0: Second game was the absolute boil over. The biggest upset they've said since Fitzroy used to play in the AFL. Okay. Is that a bad beat for Sydney or a massive collect for Gold Coast? Both.
1: I couldn't believe it. I thought someone was taking the piss out of me. I was literally... I like, walked off the ground after our win on Saturday and someone told me that uh, Gold Coast are up. And I was like, i oh, yeah, take the taking the piss. Legitimately looked at my phone. I went, you, what? I, I was actually in absolute shock. I think it's a big wake-up call for Sydney, maybe. Now uh, Horse has to decide what he's going to do, how he's going to play his footy, and what he's going to do with some of his players. And... I think that was awesome for Gold Coast. Obviously, you know, they, everyone's talked about the five players they were missing. And, look, I think uh, Stuart Hughes is on the right path. And, you know, where the Lynch leaves, he's going to leave. So I, I think they've just got to hang on to as many players as they can. We know that, that you know, there's going to be an excess end of the year. We know that the AFLs going put money into them, you know, being developed properly and so they can, you know, build. And they'll, tr- they'll trade and uh, recruit well this year and probably the year after. But they're still a couple of years away from being... Anything the AFR wants, but that, that sort of win can really, you know, build your club.
0: Absolutely, and in the it was one of the most revealing post match interviews in a very long time because they had uh, Stephen May straight the off, straight after off the final siren, yeah. I heard and you that, could yeah. just you could just yeah. tell that like he cared, but he cared for his whole club, yeah. And it was almost those flashbacks to. The, like the local footy club that hasn't won in you know five years, or whatever, and yeah. it's like they've been dealing with bankruptcy and their president's passed away, all those kind of things that you see in, in local footy. And for him to go, and I just mean so much for us to get the win, but then also for everyone else to get the win as well. And you go, yeah. That's everyone bags out their culture and says it's not there. Well, clearly, it is because when you got someone thinking in a moment of success and his first thought is how everyone else feels, and yeah. like he's he's kind of glad for everyone else, yeah, that shows that everyone's in a team first Yeah, environment. Exactly.
1: And I agree with what Caro and Hutchie and that said on Monday night. It was like after that interview he should have walked in the studio's office and said, sign me up for another two or three years. Let me be the captain and let me lead this. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. And that's what he should be they should be doing that the next like this weekend or after the weekend, you know. Crip's signed today, um uh, signed today. So it just means that they just keep going up up. And they'll probably knock off Carlton they should knock off Carlton's kind of poo yeah good win for them, and hopefully yeah we see a bit more for them.
0: Mm. and so Sydney as you said it's a wake up call but is it just actually proof that they're done we've talked about it in the past that you know you can work out a team's major tactic and do they have a plan B and we've always kind of said that they're not really a plan B they're in the trenches team around the source and they kick it to buddy because they don't have anyone else up for it at the moment and they kind of, yeah, rely on Buddy to get isolated, kick a lot of goals, or they have to scrap and scrounge and have midfielders roll forward or have their small forwards play absolutely blinding games. But their injury toll has kind of robbed them of that ability to send midfielders forward. And so now it's like, what do you do? Like, you can't just scrap and scrounge and kick at the Buddy. Like, yeah. that's not going to be a game plan that's going to work week to week, let alone in finals.
1: Yeah, I'm just worried about their midfield and, you know, they've got some young midfielders, but then again, I think it was. Uh, might Brownie on, on the couch, was saying, you know, a lot of their midfielders are, are very young and uh, well, you know, inexperienced, but they're outside mids. They're not their inside mids. You know, the Kennedys, Parkers, you know, had a reason they have been winning a lot of the footy for them. So now they've got to go find their own footy as well, and they probably don't have that sort of player. So with, you know, those blokes being injured or down on form, it's they're a bit more inconsistent around the midfield, and, you know, we have spoken about their game style you know, a lot. So I think, yeah, we need to. As I said Horse needs to probably adjust his game style a bit, whether he's got the cattle to do it or not, I don't know, but you know, we've spoken about it at length you know numerous times and maybe now he realised he has to do it. You know, Parker came out today and said it was a good wake up call, good little you know, work me up for the group. I reckon I'll beat Eston Friday night. But they'll, they'll play fine they've won enough games. So you know, every team has a about a game or two here this year. We've seen it, like West Coast have been through it, JB West went through it. Although it's, you know, pretty much every team in the top, like Connelly's had a bad run at the start of the year. You know, John's had their bad run, Melbourne's had their bad run. So every team's gone through it. Maybe they're going through it now. Who knows? But yeah, I just think that, yeah, they're, they're on the way. They're going to be a good team still, but they're probably going to be a six to 12 team for the next couple of years until I sort their, you know, their, are missing players, their links and their issues out with what, what team they've got.
0: Mm. And, it's all well and good to say, oh, it's just a bad patch or in bad form, but they they lost to a team that hadn't won in 11 weeks. Like, they lost to a team that... They lost to a team that had won in 11 weeks and they were 24 points up in the first quarter. Like, that's... Yeah, yeah
1: six goals up and... and that's yeah, a that's a horrendous loss. They didn't kick a goal for two quarters. They kicked two goals in three quarters. Yeah, and, you know... I mean, Gold Coast, you know, they've got some talented players, young players and stuff, but also, yeah. you know, that... They've been struggling to score, so how can they just... Yeah, anyway, it just baffled me.
0: So the other up-and-coming team is Brisbane. They were done by Adelaide, but only just 88-93. to Is that an admirable loss for Brisbane? Can they mark that one as the fourth tick in a row? They didn't get their fourth win in a row, obviously, but can they mark it down as a tick? And uh, is it? does that prove anything for Adelaide?
1: I think Adelaide were a lot more dogged and uh, especially when... I, I think they were, they were down two players. They lost two players to injury, so that just shows that you know, a few weeks ago, before, you know, slumers and stuff like that, they probably would have lost this game in that situation, but, you know, they're stuck together, they're fighting it out. Really good with Hugh Greenwood going forward, I think. He's big enough and big body, like, he could be the answer for that missing forward, sort of play that link that, the pressure, you know, tackles, does all the hard things, because they don't have that at the moment, because, I mean, Eddie Betts is Eddie Betts, but, you know, a couple of hamstring injuries this year, not as quick as he used to be, not as agile, he doesn't have that pressure that Cameron you know brought to the team
0: and you don't want to use him that way either because if you can if you can only give X amount of X amount of energy per game because of his previous injuries you want to have him kicking the goals not wasting it on a a hassle or a tackle
1: and we know about Tex and his problems and we know that you know Jenkins is a pretty good player but you know he can be a bit exposed sometimes and young Follies, you know, playing his first season of AFL. so, you know, having him back and Mitch McGovern, you know, even though he's come back from injury, he's had a couple of games, I think now he still hasn't found his form yet, so I think they're on the build they'll beat Melbourne this week, but they're, they're on the right sort of path I said they'll just make the eight, but they need to win this week to do it, for Brisbane, yeah we know what they're about, we've been talking about them as well and, again, it's just that lack of uh Hitting targets going forward once they get past that half forward line. So,
0: is this the side decline for Brisbane? Do you reckon? Have they been up for a while now and they'll drop off for the rest of the season, or can they re- repeat this and keep it going and then take, if possible, take it in at least into the off season, if not next season?
1: I reckon I'll give. Geelong will win, but I reckon I'll give John a shake on the weekend. Yeah, but uh, yeah, they'll be all right for the rest of the year because they're up and about and you know the kids are probably he's done well with the way he's played his kids as well so I reckon they'll be alright and they might drop off the last week or two because they see the end of the season coming and probably think about their trips away but no, they'll be alright and they'll be better next year and a year after
0: that they're starting to yeah they'll be a very dangerous side in about a year or two all Right, the game everyone's been talking about including myself I was lucky enough to be there Geelong 100 Zach Tui after the siren deja vu for the D's 14-14, 98. Bad beat for Melbourne or massive collect for Geelong? Well, Melbourne won.
1: We <laughs> when I talked about this game last week. Melbourne did exactly what I said that to. But then they just
0: they butcher it, don't they? Yeah. They're just mentally fragile. So so this is the thing, like everyone's going with a few different different tropes. They're going with are mentally fragile, they've gone with they can't defend, and but no one's going with their wasteful going forward. No one said that. Like, they had... We've said that, but yeah. I'm saying, like, the gen, like the, the mainstream media, yeah. the, the, big, the big dogs, they were going, oh, how could you possibly let that final play happen? And the fact was, they were always going to lose that game once that Geelong came back in with a sniff. Being there live, as soon as T- Tom Hawkins kicked his sixth, you knew that they were going to lose that game.
1: Max Gordon was off for ma- massive periods in that last quarter. Petrarca's torp near the end was just stupid they had two opportunities to ice the game and miss them they, they, there were so many things that led throughout the last quarter you just go what are they doing even they they kicked the first goal as well mm.
0: and you just think well, how did you how, how and, what? and everyone focuses on that last play but it's not that last play it's their match management for that last quarter they were 24 points up they'll go on hell for leather they'll create them 50-50s that left them exposed where is your game plan B they don't have it as we said at the start at the start of the year they're a, they're a plan A team and, they go forward that's it. They don't defend on the back, and so Geelong, who kicked amazingly straight sixteen four, like Geelong shouldn't have been anywhere near in that game. No. They they had almost half the score opportunities, and they were like minus twenty in inside fifties.
1: So we've spoken a few times about you know how they are going forward, and they kept Tom McDonald down. They're actually kicking goals, but he's their best backman. Mm. They've been leaking. They've been leaking scores all year. He's their best backman. Put him back. If he was on Tom Tom Hall, I know Tom was on fire and probably not many blokes were going to stop him but I guarantee you he wouldn't have kicked those goals in the last quarter. He might have kicked two of them. Mm. Tom would have stopped him. Going forward, they've got, they've surely they got blokes like, where's Cam Pedersen? Someone like that he can just sit in the he plays a role, he's a good contestant mark will at least bring the ball to ground and yeah, just, they've just got to get more out of some of their smaller forwards but that's their problem. They need a small forward and someone, you know, they need Geoffrey Gartland up and about a bit probably given a bit more as well. But yeah, just, I, I still can't believe people are talking about Melbourne to be a side that can still win a flag because it just baffles me that they're nowhere near it.
0: Yeah, especially because that, that for them is a massive bad beat. And that, that should be the one that shows they're not ready. They're not ready to play finals yet, let alone Win a final or win a flag because again, it comes down to match management. And as I say, everyone focuses on that last play or like one specific thing in each of their losses this year. And it's not that because they've had games in absolute control and then they've failed to just act like a team that knows how to win or knows how to manage themselves properly. Like they shouldn't, they should have, they should have killed the game probably early in the first half and then you then just had to crowd out of it, but instead, like. As I said, like you being there live and seeing, seeing the crowd and hearing the crowd and feeling it, you just know that it's so much harder now. And then you get things like the fifty-fifty umpire calls and the patty free kick, and those things. Those things happen when you've got a massive kind of just aura of the crowd on top of you, plus yeah. all the players, plus everything's happening, plus the the sensation of the game slipping away from you. And then you're just losing your head, and yeah, guys went off the blood rules and previously, previously yeah. and it all kind of comes flooding back. So, they're, yeah, they're not ready and they're not making funnels. And shout outs to all those D's fans who went a bit early. Uh, I'll do the obligatory question, but we all know the answer to this. Carlton 52, defeated by Hawthorne 124. This is a bad beat for Carlton. This is probably their worst beat, I reckon.
1: I thought they were going to show something after all the media spotlight was on them. You know, they've been flat now for three or four weeks and I, I, I remember today actually that so last year so two years ago they won one game after the mm-hmm. buy last year they won they won two I think it was after the buy so they struggled second half of the year anyway and so far they've only won one game this year so guess what how many games they won since the buy this year Zilch and I thought they were going you know I didn't think they, I thought they might have snuck it over the line but I definitely thought they would have made it a close competitive game. But I watched the first quarter, and uh, I I, could, I watched Better Homes and Gardens after the first quarter. What I was on Channel Seven? I was waiting for I was looking for VFL footy or something, <laughs> and I was on. and I thought this is way better than watching uh, Carlton or because that was just disgusting.
0: Carlton are bad. They are very bad, and I can't what, see them beating Gold Coast. What I don't understand is if you're playing, if you're a fringe player, playing for the worst team in the comp. If you get delisted from Carlton, no one's picking you up. Unless you're Billy Gowers. But like, realistically, <laughs> no one's picking you up. Yeah. So, why aren't you trying? It looks like from the outsider that they that there's eighteen, to almost eighteen blokes a week, of the twenty two, not putting in. Oh, but they they cracked in for the first. Two, but like for the whole, but that's not going to get, get you. not going to get a gig. Because with me. all the picks they only get. And probably all this talk about SOS wanting to pull in more mature age players, who are in the right bracket, and try and work out their all their kind of you know profiles of the squad and whatever. Yep. There's going to be another massive turnover of players, and you would think that players who are on the fringes would be like, "I to have to pull my finger out for the last six weeks here if I want to get a gig here at Carlton or show that I'm worth it for, fit. to be on the fringes and get picked up somewhere else."
1: Most would probably have been told, and bikes like Carriage and. You know who else was there? Uh, Graham and stuff like that. Probably no, nothing got picked up anywhere else, unless they're a Nick Holman or a Dylan Buckley. Somehow find themselves on another list, and yeah, like they just you know, I'll just wait until the next year. And I'll be playing suburban footy for some good coin.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what it looks like, and that's why they're no good. And if that's the case, then, I don't know, play your twos, but the twos aren't going any good either. I don't know. Carlton's in a very bad spot right now. Shout out to any Carlton fans. We'll probably win this week. <laughs> I hope they. I hope they do because really, if they if they win, it solves the footy's broken problem as well. Because having that one game a week, that is, you are a footy nuff nuff, yeah. and you watched Better Homes and Gardens over the footy. Yeah, well, I was that's like, a problem. I, I had Twenty minutes
1: to kill, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to watch Better Homes and Gardens because that's a there's problem. There's nothing else on for me to watch at the moment. I can't stream anything. I, just, I can't think of anything I want to watch. Yeah, and I oh, the next
0: game starts in an hour. I'll just watch Benarons the for 20-30 minutes. And so there's nothing in my opinion there's nothing wrong with footy in terms of rules in terms of machinations in terms of rule adjustments or game adjustments. just some crap teams. There's just some crap teams. Yeah. So that's the problem. We need to fix Carl and not fix it. Which footy. is
1: going to happen because you've got 18 teams and it's going to take we've we've had this discussion yeah. before it's going to take a, a generation to make sure there's enough good players
0: mm. to fill the 18 teams. Or we just get rid of
1: Carlton. And Gold Coast.
0: And our last one a very confusing game for mine was it a bad beat for Port Adelaide or a massive collector for GWS? Well,
1: I just think it's a bad beat for Port. We we tipped GWS. Yep. Went all in and, uh, yeah, I didn't see them losing after I watched the, probably the first 10 minutes. I was like, I, I just thought GWS had them covered because you just tell how Port were playing and then, you know, obviously having no rider as well. Surely, uh, you know, we banged on about it, about GWS playing Dawson Simpson. For, for weeks, and they finally played him, and they're playing low forward and pinching in the ruck, which is his best position. He plays his best football there, which is why he's been playing so well. And it finally clicked, and they did it. And and but Port went, oh, we're gonna play West off and uh, Dixon in the ruck and hope that works. And Simpson played his best game of NFL football he's ever played, and he probably he would have walked off just, just thinking, how, "How good the, is this? The how biggest dude in the world. Good is this." Like, you know, he doesn't cover the ground very well Dawson Simpson, but he does, his ruck work's very good. And, you know, he gets on the end of a few touches and, and you know, he competes well, but he was, at, he, he, was he looked twice the player Max Gorm was against Portland on the way and he yeah. was He was up rucking against Ollie Wines at some points and something. And surely this just gone, on oh, i got to play a ruckman next week. Don't care who it is, but I'm playing a ruckman. And once Dixon went forward and stayed for they, they became a bit more competitive because they actually had a forward target. But, their forward line's really struggling to, to convert, to score at all. Like, I think they're averaging uh, eight or nine goals a week the last five weeks or something Especially
0: like when you take out your best forward and make him play ruck.
1: Yeah, and their forward line isn't working. So, you know, Wingard's obviously playing more midfield time. Robbie Gray's doing a 50-50 split, but he's not getting enough uh, ball, really, to... And, you know, teams know that Robbie Gray can turn on, so probably, you know, double tanning and rolling over onto him. And, yeah, they're struggling. They need to bounce back because uh, they're in trouble. And JWS... You know, Toby Green's back. Can we go Toronto? Hopper, Cameron. Oh, mate, all these players. Cameron's another week away still. Giants
0: are scary. But if Giants are legitimately scary, I don't want to play the Giants any stage in the finals. No, I
1: reckon there's a sleeper, and I mean it's obvious, and I'll put my head up and write them off when they lost. I think it was four in a row, five
0: in a row earlier in the year. But everyone did. Like the interesting one, the Giants to make the top eight as a betting market, they were out to five dollars six weeks ago. Yeah. They're now a dollar oh eight. Like, everyone was off them. I think even the coaches of them. Like, they went, the, the injury list was huge. They were losing games to teams they shouldn't lose to. Like, you couldn't have backed them in. And then somehow they went, no, you know what? Our second, third, fourth tier players are actually all first rounders that we've, everyone's forgotten about because yeah. we all forget about drafts and they've stood yeah. enough enough, like yourself. And uh, they go, actually, no, all the, everyone can play. We have no spuds. Ooh. We have no bottom six. Like, it exists. We have to rank them. They are in the bottom six. But well, they get a game everywhere else, and they all do.
1: I think it was around I don't know, five, six or seven. when We went through their drafting, and I said that you know they've lost a lot of first round players, but they've got first round players, first round picks back. Mm. But they still haven't hit that forty fifty game mark where they you know feel comfortable with AFL, and now they are. And I think I've said at the time like, they might just need this year to regenerate a bit. But the, you know when you get some of the guns back, like Kelly, like he's massive, and you know, look, like, they've changed their style of football as well, and. You know, I'm currently on camera, like you've
0: you've convinced millionaires you've, to you've, get dirty.
1: Yeah, and you've changed your style a bit, and you know you got them doing the hard work, and you have picked a few players that you probably people look at and go, why well, have you picked them? And then they're performing and playing the style of footy, and they buy in, and everyone else buys in, and yeah, you just look at it and go, right. Well, you know, if you I don't know if you watch Last Chance U at all, but the new season's out, and you know you get a lot of guns together, they might not click, and they think they can just do it. All it takes is for one of those guns to stand up and go, Oi, let's let's actually lead, let's do this, let's do this and he gets up and get you know buys into it all and the rest of them start buying in and like what they have. And then you have a good you can have a good season. You have a poor poor loss first game and then bounce back and have, you know, seven or eight wins on the trot and look really, really good and yeah, so you've still got scully to come back and if I don't know if I said it on here before or not whether it was to group mates, but if Leon Cameron had balls
0: no, he made Cameron go through the twos. Yeah, yeah. that was last week on yeah, the that's pod. Yeah, that
1: was sweet, yeah. I, I still would do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and,
0: and, and there's no need for him to rush him back, and he has to prove himself. Yeah. He, he essentially almost cost him their season by missing five weeks.
1: And, he, you he's work been, your he's, way back in. he's been undisciplined and everything previously, so I think that's a bit of a watch your space on Cameron.
0: There you go. Remember what you heard at first. <laughs> Pretty much nothing but good games this week, so that's good to I'm see.
1: this round. some good footy watching. Good
0: tonight. footy, clear your schedules. Apologise to your dearest and your nearest. You'll be watching footy all weekend. Well, if you
1: like my dearest and uh, nearest, she's studying all weekend, so I'm in the clear after I finish coaching.
0: Boom! All right, Friday night, Essendon versus Sydney at Etihad Stadium. Essendon, strangely enough, in my opinion, are our favourites here at a dollar seventy-eight, but the line is a very slim three and a half. After the biggest upset ever since Fitzroy was in the AFL, we surely can expect a massive response from the Swans, especially with the likes of Kendi, Parker, Franklin and Heaney all in that team for the Swans this week. But the bookie status of the 50-50 matchup, can Essendon stifle the Swans, even though, paradoxically, the Swans are better at any head than anyone else this year? Well,
1: and Essendon don't really have a great record against City either. So no. Essendon, they're missing too much firepower surely mm kick a winning score and surely, surely Sydney bounce back. Like
0: they You'd can't, think so. They can't... Well, you say that. So, yeah, Essendon will be seeing the Kernan, Stringer and Danaher who have been their three most productive scoring players and they got, but also Sydney lost to Gold Coast. So...
1: Surely, surely Sydney just make this a, a lockdown inside game and hopefully, you know, the, the boys they got fit. and Essendon will struggle with that because they can't match it. They just... They, and... I think S- Sydney's backline matches up really well with Essendon's small forwards because mm-hmm. they've got you know pretty small backline S- Sydney sorry and yeah I'd, you, how many times has Buddy been kept goals two games in a row and
0: no and usually he bounces back if he get if he kept quiet for a week he and usually he does explodes. have a very good record has,
1: he loves playing Essendon so Sydney at over two bucks would be pretty good value on a Friday night I think you think your so. week, Start your
0: weekend off Absolutely Bankroll your weekend With the Sydney At $2.05 And yeah Sydney also have the Moz over Essendon as well So they've won the last Eight And yeah Franklin averages Four and a half goals Per game Against Essendon And it's his best record Against any club With 68 goals In 15 matches and
1: that, that ends uh, Essendon's season as well If they lose I think
0: Yeah Oh, It's pretty much already done but. Yeah Yeah Let's not, let's not string the Essendon fans on too much it's been, it's been a painful season for those Boba boys
1: well if they knew what was really going on their list they probably would have realised that before the season started well really. they just listened
0: to our preview pod but you know yeah. each their own <laughs> Saturday the so called Grand Funnel Preview but it is the most anticipated game of the year Is it? will it be a preview of what is to come in September or will it just be a repeat of round 6 where it was pretty close to 3 quarters and then the Tigers ran away
1: I think something like that. I don't reckon you'll beat us by as much. I still think the 15 and a half line is pretty generous for you Richmond fans. Like I think they'll get covered. I see a four to five goal loss. Yeah, know, probably in in it to, up to our eyeballs, probably, you know, 15 minutes to go in the last, and then just, you know, a bit of a bit of class composure and maybe uh, tiredness might catch up to us because, uh, yeah, I just... We're a good team, but probably not there yet. Probably the injuries will start catching up to us eventually. So
0: so on the weekend against North, you came out of the blocks extremely fast. The game was pretty much done at quarter time. Yeah. Richmond put the queue away probably after quarter time.
1: Yeah, that was pretty poor to watch after half time, yeah.
0: Is that going to be a problem for Richmond? Like, coming off the back of... A, they, they played one quarter of footy last week, essentially. coming off the back of that... Coming into a t- coming into a Collingwood team that you guys were pretty much up and about for the whole four quarters. It wasn't close, but you went and extended it, went on with it. Well, there's there's one. The thing Lee I- Matthews you know philosophy here. You need to you need to play the fourth quarter like you want to play the first quarter yeah, next
1: week. Yeah. Well, I, I reckon that uh, it'd be a good game because so we're one of the better teams out of the block. So for, I think we're one of the highest scoring teams for the first 10, 15 minutes mm-hmm. of a game. Then we drop off at the other end. So this is probably where you can get your first quarter
0: uh, win, Collingwood, whatever the line
1: is, and then Richmond, whatever the line is. So on
0: that, the stats, yeah, very good in the first quarter, but also very good in the third. So you're very good after the major breaks. Yeah. Richmond are ranked pretty much last for third quarters, but obviously first for last Last quarters. So I've gone with my bit of rough, rough action here is uh, Collingwood to win the third, Richmond to win the fourth. Is paying four bucks. Yeah. Regardless of the result of
1: the game. I just think that uh, it's, to be two very good teams. I don't think it will be grand final preview because I still think you know West Coast and JBS have a lot to say about that. And if we finish top four, we'll probably finish fourth or third, and Richmond will finish tops. So we'll probably have to play each other early on. early on, anyway. So it's very hard for us to uh, play in the granny if we're not top two um, because we'll have to meet each other if you know what I mean. So yeah. early in the finals, yeah, midfield probably pretty on par. Your four line's probably. Oh, I reckon our four line is, is is pretty good, and that'll be where you know your back line will have to play some good footy to hold up our back line. But I think our backs, under that forward pressure, just might come undone a bit. Yeah. Especially Sheringburgh wasn't great uh, last week. Uh, Magic Door had his measure, and we can't go too tall in, in with against you. And obviously, having Flint will be out, and a couple other small Levi Greenwood probably get us another game somehow. So yeah. I think Richard Wynn covered a line and yeah I reckon your third fourth quarter bet or my first fourth quarter bet would be a pretty good way to go about it
0: and then as a little hypothetical if if would do cause an upset here do you start thinking top two flag time no I'll be turning off every football show in the next week
1: And we'll probably get knocked off by we played Gold Coast or Brisbane or something next week. Probably get beaten by them. Yeah. So yeah, no. Always
0: the pessimist. Just just,
1: uh, keep the lid firmly on. Screwed right on.
0: Another team that needs to keep the lid firmly screwed on is Geelong, who are hosting Brisbane down at the Cattery, the place where they just cannot lose. So they're coming off just an epic, euphoric win against the Dees, thanks to the Irishman Zach Tui. But Brisbane are in pretty good form as well. They almost have four wins in a row but they have four coverage of the spreads four weeks in a row which haven't done it in pretty much the same time frame it's been absolutely years since they've yep. been competitive in every single game for a full month of footy is this a gimme for Geelong is this a, is this a percentage booster that they need or can the Lions go up there or go down there and and prove a point and say that we're not going to drop off like the young teams do I
1: think Lions speed and uh Stoppage work could be a bit of a worry for for Geelong, especially if they you know Steph Martin gets going and you know Reece Stanley's been okay the last few weeks, but Steph Martin's got him covered. You know, Kelly's probably been the one that's really held that midfield together for Geelong, and Gary Abbott's last quarter I should be spoken about because yeah, you know, I've I've been a doubter of his mm-hmm. you know pl- going back to Geelong, but the way he's throwing his body about in that last quarter, you could see he was I'm here to win like that's. That's probably like if, if I was a younger player sitting in Geelong right now reviewing the the game, I would have looked at it and gone, shit. Like that's Abbott doing that. Like you know, let's I need to lift a bit here. But I think this like John will win. I don't think I don't think they'll cover the line. The line's like three and a half. That's a bit overs for me. I think Brisbane will definitely cover that. What's probably going to help Brisbane here is that it's pretty narrow narrow ground, so they're going to go direct and quick. And it just means that probably Ge- uh, Geelong will bottle it up more and probably try and turn it into a slog. But look, I think uh, if it becomes a bit of a shootout, we you know Geelong won their first game on the weekend and it took to after the siren. Where apart from round one and funnily enough against Melbourne, where if a team scored over sixty against them, that they've, they've they've lost. So I reckon Brisbane will be scoring points and uh, it could be a bit of a shootout. So
0: I think I think we see a repeat of. Last week's game, essentially. Like, you see the, the teams that Brisbane have challenged are the teams that lack pace. And Geelong, yeah. they have some speedsters, but as a, as a collective, they lack pace. Yeah. And the only reason why I wouldn't be tipping the upset for Brisbane here is because, they can much like over, much yeah. like Melbourne, they can turn to the footy, and they're not very good at match management. They yeah. just go, like, all they're being taught at the moment, and that's fine, like, that's a good way to progress as a club, is when you get the ball, just go, just back yourself, be aggressive, be daring. They haven't really been taught to be dour or kind of defensive or lack a a better word, but just smart in certain periods of the game. And so while that's inexcusable for Melbourne, that's expected for, for Brisbane, yeah. but the result will be the same. But I think I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if it's quite a seesawing battle and then Geelong just use their smarts and win by you know, 15, 20 points in the end.
1: If, if Brisbane can get that four-line functioning with, with their midfield and how the ball comes in, they're going to be scary. Like if they get it right, like they have a couple of times a year, they'll blow a the team away. Mm. They've done it Hawthorne, they've done it a few others, etc. So you just, Geelong just need to hope they don't get it right because like Hipple's a very, you know, very dangerous player. They got a few other blokes down there. Got run and up.
0: taking speckies on people's heads. Yeah. So they're an exciting team to watch, and yeah. that would be a good team. As I
1: say, it'd be probably a good game to watch. Mm. Uh, so yeah, but I'll be watching the other game.
0: And any angles on that one, mate? Or we're going to leave that one alone. I just
1: thought, yeah, I just thought. Uh, Brisbane on the line thirty nine and a half is pretty ridiculous so that was where I was heading
0: probably only one of the few down games the weekend will be this one the twilight game down at Spotless Stadium Gold Coast are a dollar thudding favourites against the struggling Saints who checked out from about the 12 minute mark of the first quarter last week
1: 12 minute mark did they even turn up at all (laughs) I I, 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 I literally
0: messaged a few of
1: my mates who St Kilda fans and they they went I couldn't believe they went for starters because why would you go watch St Kilda at the moment and I was like, did you literally just pay and go watch Richmond train? Because that's all it was, was a train deal for Richmond. And to be fair, you know, Manor actually said, you know, it was actually good to watch Richmond live <laughs> live, and see how they go about it. Yeah. But uh, he left it, I think it was midway through the second quarter. So... That's how good Saints are going. <laughs> oh,
0: that's savage. All right. And they play arguably the most informed team in the comp. The Ferrari is back from its service. It's well-tuned and it's absolutely firing. However, not on all four cylinders yet. Can we expect anything from St Kilda or just this just be a training deal for the Giants?
1: This will be a win for the Giants. The only thing that will, that will help St Kilda is if the Giants get ahead of themselves, which I don't think they will because like we spoke about before, I think they've got that fixed. St Kilda are just uh, terrible around stoppages they're struggling to score yeah it's going to be a, no good for St Kilda
0: in terms of matchups it's this is the worst matchup for St Kilda so yeah struggling in stoppages they're ranked last in clearances yeah. they're playing against Giants who are ranked first they are struggling to score they're playing against one of the best led defences with Phil Davis leading the troops down there for the Giants this could be super ugly but also the Giants are learning how to score again so since round 11, they're averaging 95 points, the Giants. And I could see them, this being an, another absolute dust up for the Saints. Yeah,
1: I think Toby Green would be licking his lips with some of the matchups he could get. Like this, this you know—you saw on the weekend you know, a few Richmond forwards go go dining. And uh, I think a few of the GWS forwards will go dining. I, I like some Kilda though to score 61 to 75. Yep. They're struggling to score a fair bit, except for that Melbourne game, funnily enough. I just reckon that uh sixty one you know, under sixty was about $1.50, dollar dollar I reckon they might just scrap there and you know, I reckon Gold Coast probably win by about forty odd points and probably get around hundred themselves.
0: Yeah, so I agree with that one. I had for mine G West to get over ninety six points, it's a dollar ninety. So just over their average, but against a poor team, I reckon they'll crack the hundred. And then a couple of interesting margin ones I had was the Giants to lead by eighteen and a half at half time is a dollar ninety. And the Giants to cover and lead by 18.5 as an in-game multi is $2.40. So despite being a bit of a meh game, there's some interesting angles here. Yeah. And they've left a, left a bit of playroom, the old bookmakers here, for this one to keep us a bit interested. Saturday's Feast of Sport, we have the Ying and the Yang. So the Yin game, Gold Coast hosting the Blues. Gold Coast are $1.35 favourites. Oh. This is the only thing that's wrong with footy is that that means that, you know, Carlton are only 30% chance of winning this game yep. against the 17th ranked team in the comp. Ooh. It is Spoon-a-Palooza, but it's not even a contest for the Spoon. The Blues have almost been guaranteed the Spoon. So can they just get a win? As a win after the bye, the thing that they can't seem to do, or is it going to be sun rising again two weeks well, I don't
1: know if you remember earlier in the year, but the odds were actually reversed. And mm. we, made, we made some bolt cash on Gold Coast because we tipped them. And... Uh, yeah, I can't believe that uh, Carlton will win one game for the season, because they won't be winning this, and it, it, I actually fear for Bolton if they get beaten by a margin here, because even though he's been signed for two years and stuff, this could... Uh...
0: You can rip up contracts, and, Carl- uh, and Carlton don't mind wasting money, uh, they'll, they'll waste it, they'll waste it on monarounds, they waste it on picks, they'll waste it on play, they waste it on administrators... They love wasting things, love wasting resources, and could add to the list.
1: I I just can't see how they played last week and how they've been playing for the last few weeks, going up to the Gold Coast. It'll be up and about. And, yeah, Gold Coast, this is a must-win game. It's probably more important they win this game than any other game this year, I reckon. And, yeah, surely, surely, surely they get up and, yeah... This, I actually kind of want to watch this game just for a, I don't know a bit of a laugh, I suppose, just to watch Carlton lose because yeah, you know, as we know, Collingwood hate Carlton and there's a bit of rivalry there. And I, I've been on Carlton's side for for pretty much most this year about them going forward, but now I just I just want to watch them have their misery. I think
0: yeah, and it will be a miserable game because Carlton do lack like scoring prowess in any kind of facet so interesting stats here and everyone kind of thinks especially the melbourne centric people will think that this is going to be a close game between the two bottom sides i don't think it will be close at all so the Suns have won three of their last four meetings against the blues Carlton have failed to reach 100 points for 50 consecutive games Two and a half seasons because they haven't played finals, obviously. Uh, the Blues have lost their last three games by an average of 67 points. Oh, but they've been playing good teams. No, they played Brisbane who are 16th, St Kilda who are 15th and Hawthorne who have been a-, a bit up and down this season by an average of 67 points. 10 goal losses to bottom third sides. Yeah. It's very bad. Very, very bad. So my action for this one I'm taking Gold Coast to win by 40 plus. Wow. Well, $3.30 as my value for the week. The less ambitious one here is Gold Coast to cover the line at 20 and a half and it's to be an unders game under the 160 because Carlton won't score you know, that many points. it be under the
1: 160, but you're, you're going with a team that I don't think they've scored over... I think on the weekend just gone might have been their highest score for the year. Hmm. You're, you're reckoning they're going to win by...
0: That margin. They scored ninety odd against Sydney last week. Eighty eight. They scored yeah ninety odd yeah yeah. They scored one hundred and one last time
1: they played Carlton and they mm-hmm. won by thirty seven points.
0: Yep, and I reckon they've improved and Carlton's checked out. Carlton are thinking about Bali or they're they're starting to take interviews for jobs after their after their football careers. Well, if
1: you reckon it's me, that then you did always eighty from the scores. Sixty or less. Two
0: dollars 80 for
1: sixty or less. Yeah, or or two. Yeah, $2. I'll be taking that for six hundred seventy-five. Or Gold Coast forty plus. Yeah, no, that's good. $2.30. Yeah, there you go. Well, wowee. Imagine the back page papers. But, on Sunday. If I get done by forty or more points, I can bolt might be sacked next week. Seriously, like that's that's bad. That's bad.
0: The Yang game of the weekend is Saturday at the same time. Adelaide are hosting Melbourne. Adelaide are a dollar seventy-one favourites at the Adelaide Oval. The line here, four and a half. This is an eight-shaper, and for all intents and purposes, it's an elimination final. Both sides have been flip-floppy, wish-washy. Adelaide's been dealing with off-field issues. Melbourne's been dealing with on-field issues. But who can we trust in this game, if anyone?
1: No one. Both teams are booters. Which team points.
0: will show up? Which which with the Melbourne team who we'll finally learn how to defend? Can they defend? So it's Jordan Lewis's 300th game this weekend, and everyone talks him up as this, you know, this trier, this this you know, corraler of people, courageous and brave. I'd say he's been a bit of a thug over his career, to be totally honest. But surely, milestone game for him. He has to kind of take responsibility as an on-field leader and be. I need to make sure that we we manage this game more appropriately than what we did last week. Because surely he could go look at last week and look at his performances, along with Bernie Vince, from those pivot quarterback roles and being like, why are we trying to rebound and rebound score in last quarters when we're up by five goals? We need to, we need to chill out.
1: I heard someone on the radio say that they're really missing Lever and I can't believe that they're, they're actually, Melbourne supporters actually now going, oh no, it's because Lever's out. if He's playing poor football before he did his knee, he played, had one good game or two good games. It was against St Kilda and probably Western Boroughs, I think it was. So, whatever. He wasn't playing that good of footy. You didn't have him last year. You're still doing the same things you're doing last year. It's, it's not because Leavers out while you're playing poor footy why while you can't defend. You, you can't defend because you get your best defender playing forward. Adelaide are a much better team. They've they, they got players coming back, players getting fit again.
0: Adelaide know they've got to keep winning as they might miss the finals. As to Melbourne, though. Because like, Melbourne aren't making the finals, as we've said. Yeah. And but they, they obviously want to think they can, so they need to still keep winning as well. I think
1: it'll be a greasy night, which will suit suit Adelaide, because they're used to it. play there a bit. And i see think Adelaide win, and even the seventy seems pretty handy. So I, I won't be betting in this game just for the fact that uh, how can you tip either of these two teams, really? But hopefully Adelaide win,
0: and not, Melbourne don't. If you're Don Pike, what kind of game do you want in this one? Do you want to shoot out? Adelaide played two styles this year... They've played the shootout style and they've played the kind of lockdown style. What would you prefer if you were Adelaide? I'd play the style that
1: got them to the finals last year. Back I think, yourself, score heavily. Because I think, yeah, if it's a shootout against Melbourne, they're going to score more than Melbourne. Because we've talked about again Melbourne's inability to score going forward and wasting opportunities, and you know their four line isn't clicking. I think with Adelaide's defense and Adelaide's forward structure and midfield, even like. I think that they can do some damage. So I'll be be definitely trying to score and and putting the pressure on Melbourne.
0: Yeah. And if push came to shove on this one, I'd be angling towards Adelaide at 1-39 at $2.30. But the stats here in terms of just betting stats prove that neither team can be trusted here. So Adelaide have covered the spread just once in their last eight matches and they've played some pretty average teams in that time. And they're one against four against the spread in their last five games at Adelaide Oval. So even home game advantage isn't really much in this one either. We roll on a Sunday and the good games just keep on coming north. a $2 Outsiders hosting the West Coast Eagles at Bloodstone Arena in Tassie, what was once known as their Hobart Fortress, where the Roos have won 12 of their last 14 games. But nothing about a date with the current West Coast Eagles can be anywhere near considered easy. Will these Eagles continue to win away from home, Baz?
1: Surely they beat north
0: we would have thought when Conway stitches them up by you know 60 odd points you would have thought that the second best team in the comp can do it as well
1: yeah West Coast would just be too good around all over the ground really like, how are they going to stop their key forwards who are absolutely on fire like you know they weren't great against the Doggies last week West Coast as you like, they had a big game against obviously Conway they would have built themselves up for it they dropped off a little bit but you know they still smashed the Doggies in the end and they're I don't think North are... You know, They've been good, at, yes, but they're not up to the West Coast standard. And I know it's in Norbert, and you know, North are generally pretty good down there, but I'd, even the conditions, you know, even if it was windy in it didn't allow West Coast kicking style, and it was a long down-the-line game. They've still got the players to be able to play that style. And yeah, I, just, I cannot see North getting anywhere near it, and just head-to-head head at $1.80 is just ridiculous. Like, Surely that's almost better the week for me, $1.80... And there's a little roughie there which I came across before on sports bet where if you get Brown, Darling, and Kennedy, you ought to kick three goals or more, which we've won before this year. That's yeah, we had the Jack, bet. Jack,
0: and Josh yeah. with the Richmond West Coast yeah. game. So this is six, the same thing. Six dollars fifty. I reckon that's a pretty good bet for six dollars fifty. Absolutely, that's probably our best rough of the weekend there, I reckon. And yeah, you could, you could try and break it down and try and find some you know analytical quirks to try and suggest that the North Ring with a sniff of this but if you've just been watching footy over the last two two months West Coast are on par with Giants as the two scariest teams when they're playing at 100% they they did Collingwood quite convincingly in the end of the MCG travel is no longer an issue for this there are no hoodoos for this team they can go anywhere beat anyone on their day and I wouldn't read too much into last week because they played a team that they probably they probably went to the ground knowing they're going to win and it's very hard to suppose supposed to do all the team things and do all the things right when, you, when you've when got that in your head so this game I know that they don't want to drop it it's a bit of a challenge North can stick around for a while but yeah I think in the end comfortable win for the for the Eagles
1: If West Coast win the flag this year it's going to be great for the game I think because they're, they're more of a kicking side they're, they play with lots of tools so they still brought in Vardy last week with even though and that went down, and they got last set because that's their games. They they want to have two Ruckman you know. They still got um, you know Darling and Kennedy playing. the McGovern obviously re-signed and you know that's big news for them. And Gaffs probably pretty close as well. So yeah, they're about to stick together, and I think they're in for a pretty good uh, year or two coming up.
0: So probably the second of the two down games, but this one's a bit of a quirky one, I reckon. Western Bulldogs are hosting Port Adelaide at Mars Stadium in Ballarat. There's a seventy percent chance of rain. There's a hundred percent chance of being absolutely frosty conditions down there. At cold. One of the worst places to play sport, unfortunately, because it's just always flipping cold. The uh, despite the loss last week, Port Adelaide are a dollar thirty nine favourites. The line here is three goals. Which doggies and which power team will turn up? Because we talk about teams that can't be trusted. These are probably two. The doggies you can trust them only really for being savage to lose, but they can lose horrifically and not chop at all and not give any defensive pressure. Or they can be dogged, ironically, and and try and, and scrap and, and do the things they were doing when they are at their best. But they've lost a, I've lost a few players and I have a few players out and a few players going through all the kind of drama that we've seen this season in the twos, but still be around the contest. And with the power, it's always the question for me each week when it comes to Poyalete is, is there twenty minutes of pure fire good enough to win the game?
1: Well, I don't think the the harassing style of the doggies would, would really worry Port anyway because Port are the number one tackling side in the comp, so they want to you know tackle pressure and do that stuff themselves. For me, the outside run they just lack, and I don't have any outside run And So we've talked about four line issues before. I think they'd still beat Western Park, so because I watched them last week and. You know, it's really good to see Shaky play some good footy. He's playing, he's starting to show what he's got and hopefully he keeps progressing in that and you know, Ed, you know Richards and those sorts of boys are playing some good footy but those they, they don't bat deep enough. It's similar to Carlton in a way. Like they, They've got so many injuries, they're playing so many kids and they're just not, not not there yet and a few of their older blokes have been putting in all year and even some of the younger blokes you know, like the Bont and stuff who have been carrying the team which would be a way for me being a Carlton fan about like Cripps and Charlie Curnow that, you know, Bit like Bonnie's copped a hiding this year, trying to you know lift, get the team over the line a few times, and he's probably a bit sore and proppy. But coming back from Perth, going all the way to Ballarat, couldn't think of anything worse. Surely Port Witness and they they do the they do what they need to do to win at Mars Stadium. I don't think it'll be great conditions down there, but surely they just do enough to win. And jeez, if they don't, then. Uh, I'd hate to be living in uh, South Australia next week if I was Ken Inkley.
0: <laughs> and around at the weekend, not the greatest game, but an interesting game nonetheless. Dockers, $2.90 home dogs against Hawthorne, who are $1.42. Line here is 15 and a half. I reckon Freo tricky at the moment. They're a tricky team. Add the home factor where they play 500% better for I don't know what reason. And Hawthorne are, are not the Hawthorne of old. They're not... They're not... Like, yeah, they, they smashed Carlton last week and all the Hawthorne fans... Hawthorne fans are annoying for the fact that they, they hang on to that, that 3 Pete. And yep. they go, oh, this is, a, this is a great club, this is a famous club. Hawthorne this week, were tweeting about their 80,000 members, reaching from the top and saying, well, we've got 100,000, so who's the real big dogs around here? David King said this in the media this week, that the most important thing to realise as a club is where you're at. Yep. And I don't think Hawthorne know where they're at. I think well, Hawthorne fans don't especially, but they don't matter. But... Hawthorne as a club, I don't think realise that they're in the middle of a mini-rebuild, like a Hawthorne-Geelong-style rebuild where you don't bottom out. But they, if they didn't make finals this year, that's not a terrible thing for them and the list that they have. No, definitely not. But... And so in a game like this, you have, to, you have to kind of not think about it in the sense that it's Hawthorne versus Fremantle. You go, it's a middling team versus another middling team that will both finish out at the A. So it is a 50-50, and then you throw in the Freo home Fre- factor and you go maybe Freya do it cause an upset here I wouldn't be betting on it but no. in terms of a tip Freya's in a sniff
1: Well, Freya, yeah, Freya obviously beat Port two weeks ago they are pretty good against Essendon for two and a half quarters than their usual so I think they've only won one or two last quarters this year as well so they've been a pretty poor last quarter team which is where I was looking at here is Hawthorne uh, negative four and a half line in the last quarter Eighty six would probably be something I'd be looking at but Hawthorne should have enough class and skill and and be well coached enough to get over the line and beat them, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if Freeman got up. It's not a definite definite game by any you know, means because like I said, so we've seen Freire play some really good footy at home. I think the dollar two is a bit too short for one for Hawthorne because yeah you know, yeah they beat Carlton, but they haven't been great either lately. Like they've been getting beaten as well. Like, Brisbane beat up on them again and so yeah and you know Fremantle do have a bit of leg speed throughout midfield with Walters and Neil and a few others that are, you know a few of those young boys that have been playing pretty well but Fremantle just can't score so mm. I, uh, that's my problem I have him you know 61 to 75 points as well which you get $2.84 because McCarthy hasn't been great this year because you know a few years ago he was at GWS he was it could be anything mm. but uh, yeah he's not, and they're just they're just struggling to score and you know they probably need to find another another forward and you know Good rosters trying a few different blokes, and it's good. But, yeah, maybe... Uh, Could you help off West Coast? I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe they go after Mitch McGovern too. So Hawthorne have got enough quality and, you know, good players. They don't bat deep enough, and that's why they're not, you know, probably miss out in the eight this year. But I think uh,
0: they should do enough to win, but I would not be surprised if uh, Freo got up here. It's an upset on the odds, but it wouldn't be an upset in the terms of how the season's no. gone. But I uh, definitely no play on that one. And an, an early finish to the weekend for punters out there, which you might need after all the excitement from Friday and Saturday. <laughs> and as always, is the reason why you hang around, ladies and gents, for our feature bets for the weekend. We kick off with our best bets. Our first is Richmond to win the last quarter by 4.5 points against Collingwood. That will be paying $1.90, and our second best bet, and the best bet of the round, is West Coast to win away at Bloodstone. That's also paying $1.80. Our value bets start off for GUS to lead at halftime by 18.5, and and cover the total match line, which is paying $2.40. And barrel's favourite bet is the 61-75 to 75 total match points for Fremantle, that paying $2.80. And if you've been following the pod all season, you know that he gets these ones more right than he does wrong. Our Ruffies, We have Collingwood to win the third quarter and Richmond to win the last. That's paying $4 for the grand final preview at the MCG on Saturday. And the Josh, Jack, and Ben special for Josh Kennedy, Ben Brown, and Jack Darling all to kick three goals or more down, and Tazzy is paying a whopping $6.50, and drumroll, this week's multi, which is going to happen. If Gold Coast can win a game against Sydney, <laughs> we can jag a multi. Surely we can jag a multi. Just the one. We just want one. Just, just for well, props. We've jag-
1: jagged one, but that six bucks. And we a want real a, one. We want a 12 bucket or a a more. A proper
0: big boy multi, here we go. Sydney to win. Brisbane to cover the 33.5, Adelaide to win, and West Coast to win. Gives you a very respectable $12.11. And if that does come off, ladies and gents, you can come meet me on the mic at the Yorkshire Hotel on Sunday at our Footies f event and uh, buy us a beer to say thanks. We'll see you then and talk some more footies.